So today kicks off Holy Week. And some, some traditions, they observe this and they, they follow Jesus all the way from today, all the way to the cross, all the way to the resurrection. I just wanted to, to kind of break it down for you uh, a little bit today. So today is considered Palm Sunday. And it's Palm Sunday because this was the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the colt. And like I said earlier, they were waving the palms at him and they were singing Hosanna in the highest. But on tomorrow, on Monday... This is where Jesus has this, this incredible moment where he calls out the religious leaders. And Jesus uses some language. Like last week, remember how we were talking about flipping tables? Well, Jesus now, he, he's got enough of these religious leaders, and so he calls them a hypocrite. You ever been called a hypocrite before? Preachers get called hypocrites all the time. All the time. And so Jesus was calling out the religious leaders, calling them hypocrites and this is what he said what sorrow awaits you we're, we're in a series right now called real Jesus by the way okay real Jesus so that happens on Monday then on Tuesday the leaders the religious leaders are upset with Jesus because he's talking like this and so now they're putting together a conspiracy to capture Jesus so they can kill him this is all happening in this week then comes Wednesday, Jesus, he's anointed for his burial at Simon the leper's home where this woman pours oil over his head. I'm just a pretty beautiful moment right here where this woman, she, she's recognizing this moment for Jesus and just wanting to worship him. And she pours the oil on his head to anoint him. And actually, it was all a setup. It was getting things ready for what Jesus was about to do by going to the cross and then eventually rising from the dead. Then on Thursday, they call it Monday Thursday. Monday Thursday. And Jesus is hosting the Lord's Supper. They're joining together for this last meal that Jesus is going to have with his disciples. But if you remember the story, this is the moment where the betrayal begins. This is the moment where Judas makes his move. And now Jesus, later, he, later that night, he's praying in the garden. And they come and arrest Jesus. This is where Peter cuts off the guy's ear and Jesus got to put it back on. All of this happened. I mean, it's incredible stories all within this. And then, of course, there's Good Friday where Jesus is crucified. And he's placed into the tomb. Then there's Holy Saturday where the Roman guards are guarding the tomb and the disciples are observing the Sabbath. But then finally it's Resurrection Sunday, y'all. Come on, somebody. Resurrection Sunday because early that morning Jesus came up out of the grave and I can't wait till next Sunday. We're going we're gonna to celebrate Resurrection Sunday you don't want to miss it. I hope you're here. Let's jump into the message today in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. We're in a series right now called Real Jesus. And if you missed last week, what in the world, Jesus, you should go watch that on the YouTube channel. What in the world? How many of y'all had some what in the world Jesus moments this week? I know, right? What in the world? Yes. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, But who do you say I am? I ask you that today. Who do you say Jesus is? We know what everybody else thinks, but what do you think? 
And Simon Peter answered, of course Simon Peter, right? Out of all the disciples, he's the one. How many of y'all got that friend? If anybody's going to say something, it's going to be them. Well, Simon Peter is that guy. And so Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Come on, man. This is so good, right? So I know there's a movie out right now called Jesus Revolution. Today, I want to preach a message entitled Jesus Revelation. Jesus Revelation. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you that there is a word to be spoken here today. And I pray that in all that we say and all that we do, that we will have a revelation, Jesus, of who you are. And not just stories, but the reality. I pray that we will really know you, not just through our religion, but through a relationship with you. And Father, I just ask for your help today to share this message. I pray, Father, it would help us to know you more and more and more. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So people are often, people who are in the spotlight, let's say it like this, people who are in, in the spotlight often get characterized by what they do. Let's say it's an athlete. No matter what their name is, they play basketball. You just see them as a basketball player. Had opening week for baseball this week, so you just call them baseball players. And that's what you know about them, but there's so much more to their lives than just playing the sports that they play. It's true about you because what if we only knew you according to what you do? Hello, Mr. Physical Therapist. Well, that's what he does, but there's more to him than that. Um, Yes, I'm a pastor, but I need you to know there's a little bit more to me than just being a pastor. Like, seriously. But we tend to dial in on what someone does, and um, we, we characterize people by what they do. And because you may see different people like on TV or see them on social media, there is this assumption that we know all about these people. And by the way, if you're putting all kinds of stuff on social media, you may be telling people a version of you that you don't really want them to know. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be smart about that. So, like, I'm not a super popular person, okay? I'm just a regular guy. I just so happen to pastor a church. That's where the Lord has me. But sometimes people think they really, really know me because of the stories that I tell on Sunday mornings from up here. Like, seriously, they, they just act like they, they really, really know me, and they have me figured out. And you don't really know me just from this setting, I mean, I get about an hour to speak to you, maybe an hour and ten, just depends on the, if we're feeling it or not, you know what I'm saying? But just from an hour a week, you, don't, you can't really get to know me. You don't know, like this is such a controlled situation. You know what I'm saying? You didn't see me working on the car yesterday. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You, you didn't see me at the ball game, like whenever I wanted the call to go a different way. 
You didn't see me. You just see me now and just assume he has no problems. He has no temper. He only uses holy words. You don't know me. Come on now. You're like, oh, this is a pastoral confession. No, it's not. I'm just letting you know that based off of this few moments right here, you, you, you don't really know me. You may know what I say. You may see the things I do. But you don't know me like the people who live with me. You know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't know me like the people that I work with every day. And that's okay. Because I don't know you like that either. But I like you. And I love you. Right? And we all know you crazy. <laughs> all right. All right. Back to the sermon. Um, one of the assumptions that gets thrown on pastors is that uh, all they do all week long is sit in their office and read the Bible. And uh, maybe you know a pastor who does that, but I don't know if I'm a pop your bubble right now or not, but I don't do that. <laughs> I don't, man. <laughs> Got things going on. I know, I feel the disappointment in the room. Some of you are like, oh, I knew it. I knew it. I know what's wrong with that church now. Most pastors are not sitting in their office all day reading through the Bible, reading through the Scripture, waiting for this download from heaven. They have things to do. And there was this one guy one time. His name is Bobby. I'm not going to tell you everything about Bobby, okay? And you don't know him because he's not from here, okay? But there was this guy, Bobby, one time. And um, he came up to me acting like he knew all about me. And he said something like this, all you do is read the Bible all day, and y'all don't really do anything as preachers. And I have moments, y'all, where some things just kind of set me off. You know what I'm saying? Can I be human for a second? Like just sometimes people say some things at the wrong time and the wrong place. And I got decisions to make. Because I got to decide sometimes, do I want to carry on with the life that I have doing what I do, or do I want to handle this? Because if I handle this the way I want to handle this, I might not be able to keep doing what I do. Y'all may have to get to know me in a whole new way. And this was one of those moments with Bobby. And this is what's so interesting. We had just finished Two hours of marriage counseling with Bobby because he had a big mouth and his wife had enough of him. Just she was done. And I just spent two hours with Bobby in the nicest way, not trying to tell him to be quiet, just trying to tell him, shut up. And I know you don't say that, but Bobby needed somebody, a good friend in his life to tell him, dude, shut up. And we just get finished with this counseling session, and I felt like it went pretty good, and here goes Bobby. <laughs> Y'all don't do anything. He thought he really knew me because he had heard me preach before, but he didn't know who I really was. He just saw me do some things and drew some conclusions. Y'all you know that person that thinks they know everything about every. Oh, I can tell you about those kind of people. You got to watch those people and those people you can't trust. Never trust a guy that knows everything about everybody because they don't know. That was Bobby. 
So when Jesus goes up to his disciples in Matthew 16, and he says, hey, hey, what, what are they saying about me? Now, don't misinterpret this because you can think, oh, no, is Jesus having an insecure moment where he's worried what everybody is thinking about? Oh, no, no, no. Jesus wasn't insecure, okay? So he's not having one of, this, one of these moments where he's like, what do people think about me? Because if they don't think the right things, I'll change. That wasn't what was going on here. He just wanted to see if the opinions of other people were influencing his disciples. Ah. He, he was just checking to see where they were, not just what everyone was saying. There's a lot being said out there. And are you hearing and listening and letting it influence you to change who you are and what you believe? This is happening like crazy in our world. And you know how people talk. You know what I'm saying? And you know how we listen to people who like to talk. The gossip. The rumors. Isn't it funny how whenever it's time for gossip, we got to kind of turn it down a little bit? <laughs> hey, did you hear? Yeah. Don't say anything, though. <laughs> what are you doing then? You ever stop somebody in the middle of a gossip? Isn't that the funnest moment of life? Oh, yeah, we're just not going to talk like that. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, let's pray. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. But you know how people talk, the gossip, the rumors. Oh, here's the best one, the complaining. I know, right? And here we go. We're going to start complaining about the people who complain. Here we go. Like, no one wants open mic until it's time for that. You know, like, isn't that something? There, there are those people that, that used to have the comment cards on the table at the restaurant with the little pencil, you know, a little golf pencil. Oh, give me that. Give me a free meal out of this one. Now they got the little, the little, the little scan TVs on the, uh, the tablets, like at Chili's and some of those restaurants. And it's like you got to go through a half a day survey to get out of there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so you're sitting there and you're just putting all the comments. Queso was cold. Okay, so it was cold, man. Got to do better than that. It was hot in the room, in the restaurant, though. And we just, we just get so good at all these things that are being said. And I think if we get good at all these things that are being said, we also get good at listening and wanting to hear all those things that are being said, too. So Jesus is just checking in on the disciples. What are they saying about me? Because he's checking to see, are they being influenced by the culture around them? And so they give the answer, well, Jesus, some say you're John the Baptist. And these people really had no clue because John the Baptist was actually alive for a little while doing ministry at the same time that Jesus was doing ministry. You remember that little episode where John actually baptized Jesus? Y'all remember that? So these people really don't listen to what they say because they don't know what's going on. And then some say he's Elijah. Because we know Elijah, he was just taken up into heaven by the whirlwind. And so Elijah is back because Jesus is doing all the miracles. And you remember Elijah in the Old Testament, he was doing miracles too. So this is just Elijah, he's right on back, man. He's doing all these miracles. And then some say, well, he's, he's Jeremiah. 
Probably because that's the only prophet that could remember because it's the most common named one. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe he's one of the other, I don't know, Jeremiah or one of the other guys. I don't remember all their names, but that's who we'll go with. Because Jesus spoke like a prophet. And one of the things that I think we've all learned, you know this, is just because you know about someone doesn't mean that you actually know someone. So they can describe things about Jesus, but notice in their descriptions about him, they didn't really know him, but they would compare him to someone else. You ever, you ever done that? Oh, look at that lady. She looks like so-and-so that plays on this show. We do that. We do that all the time. And so without thinking it subconsciously, we just think, well, she probably acts the same way too if she looks like that. I didn't like her on the show, so I don't, I don't like this lady. I don't know her, but I can tell you if she looks like that, mm-mm, we ain't friends. But just because you know about someone doesn't mean you really know them. Um, many biblical scholars know about Jesus, but can I tell you, they don't really know him. Seriously. There, there are professors in colleges teaching religion classes. They don't know Jesus. They're just getting paid to teach a class. It's a syllabus, man. It's not Jesus. I'll take it a step further. There are professors in Bible colleges. They don't really know Jesus. They just know about him. And Jesus is checking with his disciples, his main guys, to see if they really, really, really know who he is. In fact, there's a lot of church people that claim to know Jesus, but they don't really know him. They know stories about him. They've read scriptures about him, but don't really, they don't really know him. They could tell you what Pastor Wade said about him, or they could tell them what the e-group leader said about him, or the verse of the day scripture. I'm not against the verse of the day, but you got to have a little bit more than the verse of the day. Am I right? Jesus is more than the verse of the day. He's the whole Bible. The disciples knew what people thought about Jesus. But what did they think about him? And Simon answers him, and he says, You're the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus obviously is impressed with him, and so he responds to him and says, No human has told you this. There's no one that knows this about me, and so my Father has to have revealed this to you. And this is an awesome moment, not just for Simon, but this is an awesome moment for Jesus. I think Jesus is saying to himself, finally, all the stuff, finally, you're getting it. Thank you, Simon, for not taking me down the road where I got to deal with you again. Amen? Amen? Jesus is patient, but some people will push you. Right? I want to help you to see something here because they're living at a time, believe it or not, where there is so much spiritual content. It is, I'm, I'm telling you, there is so much spiritual content. There is scripture. There are prophecies. There are laws. There are traditions. There are customs. And it's all up in their culture. It is like this in your face all over the place kind of thing. And it is, they're just loaded with all the content. And you would assume that every one of the religious leaders would recognize Jesus when he showed up. Because there are prophecies in the book of Isaiah. There are prophecies through all of scripture that predicted what it would look like and how he would come and where he would come from. And it's happening in front of their very eyes. 
They can't even see it. And I just wonder if this is happening to the people that know so much of Scripture. What could happen to us that God could literally be doing something right in front of our eyes and we not even see it? That God could be working a miracle and we wouldn't even call it a miracle. This is what was happening in their day at a time where spirituality was just explosive. It was everywhere. You couldn't go anywhere without running into some type of Jewish teaching, some kind of Jewish custom. There's a whole entire temple. They're selling animals. Jesus is flipping tables. I mean, it is everywhere that you go. How in the world can you not recognize? I think something, I think God might be up to something over there. I don't know. This guy sounds different than the, the people we're used to, but it looks like, I don't know, it looks like God's doing something. And they couldn't even see it. So you would just assume that everyone would know. But watch what happened. They were so occupied by their own religion and their regulations. But they had no revelation. I need you to hear this because you can get so caught up, watch this, and what you think you need to do to be right with God. You can get so caught up in how it's always been and what it used to look like and going back to the good old days that you missed the good day that God has put right there in front of you. And this is what Jesus is trying to get them to see, that God is doing it right here in front of you. And there are people that are interpreting it through a lens of religion. They're interpreting it through a lens of of regulation and they can't even see the revelation that God has put right there in front of them. The greatest thing ever is happening in front of their eyes. Can't even see it. Can't see it. So when Simon has this revelation of who Jesus is and calls him the Messiah, the weight of that one, that one line, that one phrase is so heavy because now it is a human being that is announcing that the Messiah is here. The long-awaited one, God in the flesh, the Christ, the anointed one is here. Someone can see what God is doing. And he shows up right in front of their face. And thank God, Simon recognizes it. And I need you to feel the weight of what he's saying when he says you're the son of God. Literally what he's saying is that deity, the deity of God himself is right here in front of us. And can you see the religious leaders would deny all day that Jesus was God. They didn't want Jesus to be God because if Jesus is God, they don't have a job anymore. his response Jesus tells Simon who he is Jesus said who who do they say I am and Simon says oh you're the Messiah son of the living God well alrighty Simon you get a bonus point I'm so proud of you I'm gonna tell you who you really are I'm gonna give you three Jesus revelations today Okay, so he tells Simon, you're Peter, which means rock. Pretty good name, I think. Now, we know Simon. Am I right? We've read about Simon. He is no rock. No, nah. 
when you look at his life and his mouth, no way this guy is a rock. Maybe a runt, but not a rock. Because he's got this temper, okay? He's got a mouth on him. Always has to be in the front. There's no way that Jesus could say something about him. But what he has, others don't have. What he has is a revelation of who Jesus is. And you may not have everything. But if you know who Jesus is, that can change your life. Amen? So three revelations. Number one, when you see Jesus for who he is, he will show you who you can be. That's a revelation right there. See, a lot of times we try to study Jesus to figure him out. But Jesus didn't want to be studied. He wanted to be followed because he wants a relationship, and the relationship will influence you. See, you can tell me stats and pieces of information about people in my family, and there may be some accuracy to what you share. You can tell me about their names. You can tell me about their ages. You can tell me all about the things that they do because you study them, but I need you to know you don't know them like I do because I've been around them a little while. You don't know their words. You don't know their early morning phrases. You don't know what they like to eat and what they don't like to eat. I know these things about them because I am with them. As their father, watch this, I even had the opportunity to name them. Well, not just me. Cynthia was all up in that too. You know what I'm saying? I had a few names shot down. It's all right. I'm all right now. When you see Jesus for who he is, he will show you who you can be. So many people think Christianity is about rules. They do. And sometimes we would just rather uh, just tell me what to do sermon. I know. We, we can sink into practicality, which there needs to be some practice. Am I right? You got to have a practice. But we can sink so far into that that we don't even build the relationship with Jesus that can help you to live out those practices. Come on now. Because you got to have Jesus to live it out. But this is where you've got to make the decision. Is it going to be all about rules or is it going to be the revelation of who Jesus is and the reality that you can have a real relationship with him? Like seriously, you can have a relationship with Jesus. So watch this. Knowing about Jesus didn't make Simon a better person. But the revelation of Jesus changed his life. And there's a lot of people that get into trouble and they want to begin to know all these things about Jesus and know all that you can, but build a relationship with him and he will change your life. And this is what is going on right here with Simon because he started out as Simon and now he's Peter and it was all based on knowing who Jesus really is. And this is what I realized so many people live a Simon says kind of life. Y'all remember playing that little game? Simon says do this. Simon says touch your nose. Simon says lift your right leg. Simon says lift your left leg. Oh, which my left or my right? I don't know. But Simon said to do it. But now, Jesus said something. Jesus said something. And now he is Peter. Come on. Meant to live a Jesus says kind of life. 
a Jesus says kind of life. That comes from a relationship with him. And Jesus is building his church on people who have a relationship with him and who have a revelation of who he is. That's who he's building his church off of. Sometimes we read this and just think, oh, that's Peter. It's not just Peter. It's you too. Look at your neighbor. Say you too. It's you too. Now, now hold on now. Understand this. We know that Simon isn't perfect. Can I get an amen from an imperfect person in this house? Come on. We know he's not perfect. And Jesus didn't say he was. He said he was Peter. Thank you, Jesus. But you know what the religious leaders were saying? You ain't right till you're perfect. And everyone fell short. And isn't it interesting that the people that enforced that were imperfect themselves? Come on, just drive me crazy. You ain't even perfect. You trying to tell me I got to be perfect. We should go out and fight. Anyway, let's come back. Let's come back. So watch this. Peter is his potential, but Simon has always been his practice. I need y'all to lock in here. So watch this. Because he's Peter, and he's operating like Peter. And one of the first things he tries to do is tell Jesus, I'll never let you go and die like that. I will keep you from doing it. Tries to tell him, I will go to prison for you. And Jesus is just like, "Mm, no, you won't. (laughs) Because you're going to deny me three times that you even know me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Time out. Jesus already knows this about Peter. And still calls him Peter and says, I'm going to build my church on someone like you, even though you're going to deny me three times. You're like, sound like Jesus giving him permission. Jesus wasn't giving him permission. He was just letting him know, I know you, Simon Peter. I know how you are. And you still got some of that in you. I'm just trying to help you see who you can be. But hang on, because Satan desires to sift you like wheat. But after you return, you're going to go and strengthen the brothers. God's got a plan. He's got a plan. Um, As Peter, he fell asleep at the prayer meeting in the garden when Jesus is having the moment. Father, if you're willing, take this cup of suffering from me. Where you at, Peter? Snoring. (laughs) Snooze fest over there. Come on, man. Can't you pray? Jesus like, come on. Can't you just pray with me one hour? I didn't say you're Peter in front of all the other disciples, and this is how you're going to act. I just affirmed you publicly, and you're going to go to sleep on me. Wake up, son. It feels like a parenting moment. You know what I'm saying? We've done come in the room six times, and you're still not awake. That's when you start using your foot. Kick the bed really hard. Anyway, that may have happened at our house before. As Peter, he cuts off the servant's ear in the garden. Peter was carrying a weapon. Come at Jesus, ring, cut your ear off, son. Jesus is like, don't do that. Put it back on. I was going to put in here one of the points, Jesus can clean up your mess. As Peter, he denies knowing Jesus three times. And then the rooster crowed. And by the way, Jesus was right there when the rooster crowed. 
You talk about a fail moment, am I right? Jesus was right there. I wonder, I wonder how many times in those moments where failure is looming, I wonder how many of those moments Jesus was right there the whole time. Right there. Meaning this, you didn't have to fail. He was right there. Here's the second revelation. Second Jesus revelation. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. I mean, he created you. So he knows you better than you know yourself. You're like, come on, Pastor Wade. This is the week before Easter. Aren't you supposed to be preaching other things? Just hang tight. See, you don't know me. Because we're seeing some moments right here where Peter just doesn't look like a rock. Am I right? Just, just doesn't look like what we thought he was going to be. He doesn't appear to be faithful. He looks like a failure, if you ask me. I mean, seriously, come on. I, okay, the sleeping thing, it's a late night. We had a lot going on today. Okay. But the cutting the ear off thing... That's not how we do things. I'm going to have to send you through orientation all over again. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's all these different things that when you look at Peter, it's like it just doesn't add up. And Jesus knew all of the failures and flaws that Peter had, but he still chose to move forward with him. And can I tell you, this makes Jesus so much better than any of us because we would have fired that guy. Am I right? Like, you don't have to pack your stuff. We will send it to you. Don't come back in. And don't even worry about giving the key back. We're changing all the locks. Jesus is so much better than us, and we see that in stories like this because Jesus knew all the failures and all the flaws, but yet he was still committed to Peter. He was still committed to him, which tells me the revelation number three, that Jesus isn't finished with you. Because it looks like Jesus just would have said, okay, who's the next guy? Who else do I have on the team that we can get to come and stand in this place? He's stuck with that guy. He's stuck with Peter. He didn't give up on him, and he won't give up on you. You say, but I blew it, Pastor Wade. I've done some things. So did Peter, and Jesus was walking right there with him. I'm talking about in the flesh. He had access to Jesus that you and I, we only access by faith. He had it in person. You see what I'm talking about? How can you mess this up? You're with Jesus all the time. I got to go to work tomorrow. You were with Jesus at work. How can you be that close to Jesus and be that crazy? And Jesus said, I'm not done with him yet. And Jesus isn't done with you. And so when you consider the cross, come on with me. When you consider the cross, how he took all of our failures, how he took all of our flaws, all of our sins upon himself and went to the cross to atone for it. Thank you, Jesus. And while being crucified, he makes this statement. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm having a what in the world Jesus moment right there. Because it looks like they know exactly what they're doing. 
How can you do that to me and not know what you're doing? But Jesus, they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So I can understand dying for a righteous man, someone who got it all right. But to die for a sinful man, he doesn't deserve it. Come on. He doesn't deserve it. But the cross was God's redemptive plan to save, to save mankind from their sins, to save mankind from themselves. Watch this. The cross was to save Simon so he could be Peter. See, Jesus didn't come just to make him a better person. Jesus came to change his life. And this is the biggest conflict in Christianity today because we think it's all about becoming a better version of ourselves. That is humanism. That is the world's way of doing it. But God's way of doing it is I must die to myself so that I can live for him. I've got to let the old me die so the new me can come alive. I've got to let Simon die so that Peter can live. This is what the cross is all about. And then Jesus says this. He says, it is finished. He didn't say you're finished. He said, it is finished. The sin, the failures, all the different things that would hold you back, that would identify you to everyone all around and say, oh, look at them. Who do they think they are? Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. He knows who you really are. And so he goes to the cross knowing that while we were sinners, Christ still dies. Knowing that you were going to make that decision, knowing that you were going to do that thing, Jesus said, I will still die for them because my goodness isn't based on how good they are, but it's based on the goodness of my Father. Amen? So Jesus didn't do it because we were good. He did it because He is good. He is good. Amen? This is good preaching. I like it. I like it. But I want to finish right here. Because it would make sense for the disciples to get the revelation. But what about someone else? Mark 15, verse 39. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. The centurion was in charge of the crucifixion. And he still got the revelation. It's incredible how powerful Jesus is. That even in our worst moments, he doesn't cease to be who he is. And the centurion recognizes him as the son of God. Oh, I know the religious people. Come on, where are you at? They were conspiring for it to happen. They were thankful Jesus died. The centurion got the revelation. I just wonder, do you have the revelation of who Jesus is? Because I have a feeling that so many people have just added Jesus 
to their life. They just added it. We still live life the way we live, the way we want to, making our own rules. By the way, it's not the religion of the world. It's the religion of ourselves because now we're creating our own rules for how we think it needs to be. And there's a conflict because you can come up with something that sounds like God, but it's not God. It could sound like Jesus, but it's not Jesus. It could sound like church, but it's not church. There's a lot of people still living the Simon Says life. But have you heard what Jesus says about you? Every head bowed this morning, every eye closed. Maybe today you're hearing a salvation message about what God can do in your life for the very first time. And it's piqued your interest. You're trying to figure out what is this? What is this all about? I need this. This is what I've been looking for. Or maybe you've heard the salvation message before, but today it just hit different. It got real. Because Jesus is finding you right where you're at. He, he's showing up in places that you didn't realize he could be. And today, there's one step that you can take that can change your life forever. And as believers, we take this for granted so often because we've done this. We've been down the road. But can I tell you, the salvation of a soul is the most incredible miracle that will ever happen on the face of this planet. The salvation of a soul, when a person decides to say no to the way they've been living and say yes to Jesus, everything in their life begins to change. And today is a day that can change your life forever. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, Maybe you know the stories, but today you want to know Jesus as your Savior. I want to ask you all to repeat this prayer after me, but I want you specifically to pray this and mean this with your heart. Say, Dear Lord, thank you for going to the cross to give your life for me. Thank you for paying the price so that my sins could be forgiven and I can have a fresh start. Jesus, help me to change, but not the way I want, the way you want. I make this decision today to say no to myself and say yes to following you. I ask you to be my Savior, but also ask you to be my Lord. Lead me, guide me, and help me be the person that you want me to be choose today. I will live my life your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. It's time to live the way God wants you to live. I feel led to pray for this. Maybe you, you live in life every day and you feel like you're still stuck with some Simon Says. Some old ways, some old habits, some old language. But you know, today it's time for what Jesus says. 
I want you just to stand to your feet if that's you, because I want to pray for you. Some old tempers, some old habits that need to break. Some behaviors that need to change. Come on. I know. Come on. Jesus, I pray. Come on, lift your hands. Jesus, I pray over every person standing to their feet today. We know you see it for us. And Father, we're trying to see it too, but we can't. All we see is our failures and our flaws and where we fall short. But today we fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We fix our eyes on you to see who you are, see who you really are. And we choose to pursue you today. We go into pursuit of who you are, to know you, to have that relationship, to develop it. And I thank you, Lord, that the influence of the relationship will break these things off of our lives, will influence the words that we use, the attitudes that we have, the actions that we participate in. Jesus, we need you. So, Lord, today, let this be the day where the difference is made in our lives. Jesus, we're praying that today we go from being like Simon to being Peter, to being what you said instead of what we always said, what we always thought. Today, we want to be what you said we can be. I pray for your grace and your strength and the power of the Holy Spirit, Father, to help us to become that. In Jesus' name.